There are two selections from scripture today. The first is Galatians 2, 20 through 21. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. The second selection is Romans 5:17 through 19. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jennifer. You may be seated. If you have been with us the last few weeks, what we have been doing is we've been taking a look at a certain phrase, and we've been centering all of our discussions around it. And the phrase is the phrase that, use, that Paul uses when he opposes Peter. Peter is doing something that, as a Christian brother, he should not be doing. He was eating rightly with his Gentile brothers, but then when some other Christians from Jerusalem came, he shrunk back, he retreated from fellowship with his Gentile brothers because he was afraid of what the brothers from Jerusalem might think if they saw him eating with Gentile sinners. And Paul sees this in Peter's life. Paul rises up and opposes him, and he says, Peter, you're not walking the gospel. The word is orthopedeo. We went through that. It just means to have straight Steps And the issue at hand concerns what the gospel is. What is at the core of the gospel? What, what core truth makes a Christian a Christian? And several weeks ago, I think you could probably finish it with me, we went through that. That the core of Christianity is Jesus plus nothing. Yeah, we, we got it. Jesus plus nothing is the core. That truth... Place deep in our hearts that truth that causes us to trust Christ in faith, in baptism, like Landon just did, in repentance, in confession. That truth is what the core of Christianity is. That truth makes us Christians. And this text is a summary of all the things that Paul said to Peter as he put his arm around him and he said, Brother, you're in the wrong. Let me tell you why. It's because you're not walking. The gospel. And we walked through this confrontation that Paul had with Peter last week, verse by verse. And in that, in this text that lasts from about uh, 12 or 14 all the way down to 21, we pick up a lot of terminology that is crucial for us as Christians to understand. Because if we don't understand it, then there's no way that we can go outside of these doors and call people to those same kind of concepts. Uh, if we're not right on them ourselves. And so in this text, uh, Paul mentions a word called righteousness. 
Paul mentions the law a few times, dying to the law, living to the law. Many times he uses the word justified. And in verse 20, he uses this phrase, phrase crucified with Christ. And so for the next few weeks, I want to spend some time on each of those crucial concepts. Because sometimes, let's just be honest, we come here and they are hazy to us. They're vague. Uh, we throw them around because they're Christian jargon. We need the righteousness of Christ. Well, what in the world does that mean? And so let's take some time and back up and define our terms. Now, this is no different than any other subject or field that you encounter. And so we're going to play a game for the next uh, weeks uh, coming up uh, called Can You Guess the Field? Okay, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put words on the screen, and they are all terms that are industry-specific terms, okay? And what we need to do is to guess what industry uh, we're referring to. Now, uh, to play this particular game, I would like the high school, middle school group over here. Would you, would you pick one person to come up and play with me? Just point, point at one person, not Ian or Bethany. They were last week. Everybody is t- uh, everybody's pointing at Hunter. Hunter, come on up. Give him a hand. Give Hunter a hand. I did that because I know Hunter can handle it. He is a smart kid, man. I love this kid. Okay. Hunter, the first three are very easy. No pressure, okay? But, but you can ask the audience at any time. Okay, if, if you're stumped. All right, so let's put the first group of words up. Guess the field. We've got crosscut, stacked dado, rabbit, miter gauge, featherboard, finger joint, clamp, riving knife, stain sealer, square. What do you think we're talking about? Do you need to ha- help from the audience? Help your, uh, ask your peers over here. Does anybody know? We... we Nope. We're going to have to go outside. Uh, Brian Allen, he's got it. Carpentry or another word, uh, woodworking. Yeah, sure. Carpentry, woodworking. Okay, so you got the game now? Okay, let's put another one up. Here we go. ROI, amortization, basis, balance sheet, diversification, bulls, bears, dividend, interest, IRA, NASDAQ, NYSE, REIT, points, prime. What do you think? Finances. Yeah, you got it. Well done. Finances. Or investment, yes. One more, one, more, one more field, and then we'll get to a hard one. Allegro, coda, legato, staccato, timber, key, staff, measure, sharp, flat, four, four, three, four, six, eight. What do you think? Music. Music. Well done, Hunter. Good job. Good job. Okay. Now, this is the hard one, um, and we may have to ask for some help on this one, and we still may not get enough help. Uh, C-47, juicer, stinger, sticks, baby legs, striking, cheese plate, cookie, dead cat, run and gun, clapper. What do you think? Any, yeah, he's already asking for help. Anybody in the audience, this is the hard one for this week, and we'll throw in a hard one every week. Uh, Anybody know uh, anything that this might, I mean, the field that these things might be referring to. Let me help you a little bit. Uh, C-47 is a clothespin, okay? Uh, Sticks and baby legs refer to tripods. Cheese plate refers to a metal plate 
that has a bunch of holes in it in different places so that you can mount, get this, Hunter, a camera in different positions and places. What do you think we're talking about? Close. We're going to count that. Photography. We're going to go with filmmaking. Very good. Good job, Hunter. Well done. Give him a hand. The, uh, the clapper is the one that you would probably would have helped, you know, the, the little slate thing that, that everybody, you know, the director, you know, slaps down before they, they roll. Um, all of dead cat. That's a great question, and I should have uh, refreshed my, myself on what dead cat was. I forgot, and I, sh- I will tell you next week. How about that? I do know what run and gun is. That's when you run with the camera alongside the actors. Okay, run and gun. And uh, Juicer is an electrician on the set of a film uh, stage. A Stinger is uh, a cord that you plug into electricity. Uh, I have no idea why these things are called these things, but that's, that's what they are. Do you know what a dead cat is? Oh, that, oh, yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Yes, a dead cat. Well done. Well done, Mr. Hall. Awesome. Uh, a dead cat, yes, now that you mentioned it, I, I do remember this. A dead cat is that big fuzzy thing that covers the end of a microphone that kind of looks like a dead cat, right? Okay. Uh, listen, all of these terms are industry specific, okay? All of the, if you want to get a grip on filmmaking or woodworking or music or finances, then these are terms that you have to understand. These are terms that will be regularly used. And unless you understand them, you'll have no idea what people are talking about. Hey, grab a couple C-47s and get over here. Yeah, what's that? Oh, clothespins. Oh, okay. And it's no different spiritually. There are building blocks that we use to understand the gospel, which will hopefully give us a better grip on what it means to follow Christ. And the first one that we're going to look at today, this gospel-specific term of compressed truth, is this word called righteousness. In verse 21 of Galatians chapter 2, Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If righteousness was through the law, what is righteousness? That is a wonderful word, you say, but it's not really relevant to me. And I agree with you. You you never really use that word except when you step into uh, the church. Uh, I will say that I do use that word in my flashbacks to 1986 when I remember Grace talking to Mr. Rooney in his office, and she's talking about how great Ferris Bueller is and how everyone loves Ferris Bueller because he's a righteous dude. You remember? Yes, yes. Other than that, This word really, you know, we don't use it. It's just Christian jargon. What does it mean? What does it mean? It is relevant beyond Ferris Bueller. It is not a concept that is old-fashioned or out of date. It has relevance to your life each and every moment that you live. Let me give you a few examples. I'm going to throw some, speaking of filmmaking, I'm going to throw some actors up here. You will recognize some of these pictures. They all have something in common. And the, the thing that they have in common is that none of them likes to watch themselves on film. They will not. They'll go out of their way. Woody Allen says, all I can see is what's wrong with them. 
I see all the ways I could have made the scene 10 times better if I had the time, resources, people, etc. Zach Efron said, I tend to, especially the first time around, pick out every single flaw or things that I could have and should have done better. I don't know why, but I tend to dwell on those things, so I don't watch myself. Matthew Fox, who is the star of Lost, says, I never watched an episode of Lost. How many of you are Lost fans? Uh, there are a few of you. It's on my list. Uh, This was a round table where he said this and Brian Cranston was on the other side of the table and Brian's Brian Cranston's response was Matt you should it's a good show you should see it sometime (laughs) Megan Fox says I think most actors and actresses are pretty insecure Uh, I never look at myself even in still photographs I don't look at anything I panic if there's a monitor in the room I immediately go into like an anxiety attack Reese Witherspoon says doing watching myself spirals me into a state of self-hate. Johnny Depp says, every project that I finish, after I'm finished with it, I stay as far away as I possibly can because I do not like watching myself. Why is that the case with all of these people? And I would submit it's the case with them because it's the case with me and it's the case with you. And we could, we could roll out example after example. Let me just give you a, a silly one. Uh, I mowed my lawn yesterday. And I thought, man, I've done a great job. And I've edged really nice and I've striped the lawn, you know, all of those things that I want to do. And then I'm, I'm, later that day, I'm taking off my car, going around the corner, and I see this little patch that I missed. Right? You've done that too. And probably nobody else will know it's there, but I will know it's there, and I'll know it's not right. It is an email that I got two or three years ago, from a guy who, honestly, in college, we were acquaintances. I can't even really call him a good friend. I mean, we knew of each other. We were cordial, but I, you know, I didn't really know him too well. And he emailed me asking my forgiveness for something that he did while we were in college. And to be honest, I, don't even, I, I couldn't have told you what he did, but it meant so much to him to have a right relationship with me. That he emailed and said, would you forgive me? I am so sorry that I did this thing. It is that thing that until you take the steps to fix it, the knots inside you remain. And all of that comes from this word righteousness. Righteousness is a concept we bump into every day and it is as relevant as ever. So let's define Righteousness. If you just look up the English dictionary for righteousness, you will find this to be right or to be good. That's not really helpful. But the Bible is very helpful. In the Bible, there are several words that are used that are translated at the end of the day as this word righteousness. And one word means to be straight to pass inspection, or to be up to specs, or up to standards. Another word is very helpful because it means to be right with. And it has a very relational aspect to it. And so we could say it this way, righteousness in the Bible is a term that is very relational. Righteousness is to be right with someone or something. And if we boil that, if we take that definition, uh, we can say a few things out of that definition. Number one, righteousness is to be presentable to others, to other people. 
to be found pleasing to somebody I want to please, to pass their litmus test, to be reconciled with someone because they've approved of either who I am or they've approved of what I've done. Uh, A very easy example is your electric bill. How many of you get electric bills every month? Yes, you kind of get an electric bill. And if you want to stay right with the electric company, what do you do with that electric bill? You pay the electric bill, right? If you don't pay the electric bill, then you're not right with the electric company. And if you do that enough, then they will not be right with you back and they will shut off your electricity, right? Uh, Let's go up just another level to a relational level. I mean, that's an institution, right? Your electric company. But uh, it works on a personal level too. This is a clip from Despicable Me 2. I want you to watch uh, Gru. Hey, I told you guys to get to bed. Oh, sorry. So when you're going on your date? What? Remember, Miss Jillian said she was arranging a date for you. Yeah, well, she is a nut job and I'm not going on any date. Why not? Are you scared? Hey, did you guys see the moon landing on TV? Lisa. Lisa. No way. He is so cute. Uh, <clears throat> hey, Lisa, I was wondering if you... Ew! Gru touched Lisa! Gru touched Lisa! Ew! Lisa's got cronies! Scared? Of what? Women? No! That's bonkers! I just... I have no interest in going on a date. That's all. Case closed. I'm not scared of women or dates. What grew models for you there is the struggle for righteousness, right? And the struggle is real. I want to be presentable to somebody else. I don't want to have grooties. Nobody wants to have grooties. And so we all strive. We extend vast effort to be presentable to be seen as acceptable. Did you see what he was doing? Even, even as, a, as a grade schooler, he has a little flower. He's dressed in a suit. He's slicking back the hair. He's making sure that he's presentable to the object of his affection. Those of us who probably can't remember back to the times that we were having dates, we will um, relate with this. Uh, lots of us have dreams that go this way. There are people in a banquet hall or, or a celebration or a, or a ceremony, and they all look great. I mean, they are dressed to the nines, and they're doing all the right things, and they have all their silverware in the right place, and they're using all their forks and spoons at the same time, at the right time, you know, when they're supposed to. And then you enter the dream, and how are you in the dream? You know this. Anybody? Are you dressed well? Nobody's had this dream. No, you're in your underwear is one way to say it. Birthday suit is a better way to say it. Yes. Yeah. We all have this dream where, where everybody else is put together and we are, oh my goodness, we're trying to cover up. If we go back to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2, that, that never happened. They never had a dream like that. 
until they did. And Genesis chapter 2 and 3 tells us that at the core of righteousness, it's not just being presentable to other people, but it's also being presentable to God. Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the cool of the day, and they were naked, and they were unashamed, and it was appropriate, and they were completely presentable as they were because they had a perfect relationship with God. But as soon as that went south, the very first thing they realized was they were not right with the universe anymore, and they all of a sudden had this dream where everybody else had clothes on, and they didn't. And they had to hide, and they had to ask each other for leaves. Give me a leaf. No, give me a bigger one because I've been eating a lot. They were ashamed. There was great guilt. There was regret. And they no longer had their original righteousness. They no longer had their original beauty, their original worth, their original acceptability. And every one of us since then understands that we are in the same boat. Whether you're an actor or not. We are born with an understanding inherently that there's something wrong with me and I'm not the beauty that I perceive I should be or I'm not worthy or I haven't lived up to the acceptable level that people think I ought to live up to. I'm not valuable. I can't measure up. And we know we're broken. And when we finish that line of thinking, the inevitable conclusion is this. I've got to find some way to fix it. I've got to find some way to make myself beautiful and worthy and accepted and loved. And so we begin all of these kind of endless pursuits. Even as kids, we do this. Even if you're, you were a kid in the most well-adjusted family, there's this inner drive to fit in. There's this inner drive to gain acceptance of peers and to appear worthwhile. And so if you're inclined to it, you strive for good grades. If you're inclined to it, you strive to be a great athlete. If you're inclined not to those two things, maybe you're inclined to be funny, and so you become a clown in the, in the halls. Whatever it takes to be beautiful and to be accepted and to be right with other people. And it doesn't stop when we become adults. Uh, We work hard at our work. Why? Because we want to be right with other people. Uh, Maybe we put ourselves into our house. We pour ourselves into our kids or our cars. Or we make sure that we have all the right gadgets, the iPhones, the iPads. Or we wear the right thing, the suit and the tie. Or maybe it's the rock star jeans with with stocking cap and hoodie. And all of those are attempts to be righteous with the people around us because we care about their opinion of us. And this can go negatively, too. You know of people who decided that the way they can be righteous is to rebel against what they've been told to do and to find a group who is also rebelling and so they can be their own version of righteous. This is why people move away from Fort Scott, America, because they haven't found a group where they are accepted and loved in our place. And so they go to a more populated place, hoping that they will find that place where they are accepted and loved. We all want to fit in. We all want to be included. We all want to have a right standing with others. We want to have a right standing with ourselves. We want to be presentable. And whether it's recognized or not, all of those desires stem from a deeper desire to be right with God. And that's why this word righteousness matters. It is an inner 
strive to be right with the world, with God. Everybody is out for righteousness. But the problem, the problem is that whatever method we choose, it never works out. No matter how much makeup you put on, no matter how much money you scratch together, no matter how much morality you can generate, the leaf is never big enough to cover our flaws, to cover our mistakes, to cover our failures. We are all radically insecure, and none of us can be as slick as Ferris Bueller at the end of the day. But it gets worse than that because someone more important than just those people around us is watching. God himself, with eyes that are absolutely impartial and honest and just, he sees everything. He sees everything about us. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your sin. He knows your flaws. And hiding from him is an impossible task. Just ask Adam and Eve. It didn't go well for them. And so we know we're caught. We know we're naked. In our sin, what hope is there for us? The answer is righteousness. This this term is continually reinforced in the Bible, and it's a truth that we inherently know. The truth is that we can't ever bring anything to the table to fix us. Righteousness is is a problem we can never fix. And that's why the gospel is such great news. Because it offers us what we're desperately trying to get in other places. Righteousness. There is a covering for us. It's not something that we've found. It's not something that we've developed. But it is a righteousness, a covering for our sin, for our nakedness, for our flaws. That God has designed himself and given to us freely. Do you remember how the story of Adam and Eve ends? That particular story. They are found to be in sin. God comes and he sees them hiding. And they have sewn together leaves, you know, to cover their nakedness all of a sudden. And God says, who told you to do that? What happened? And they realize for the first time that they are exposed. And so at the end of the story, God covers them. Verse 21 of chapter 3 says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Have you ever thought about that? Thought about that. Garments of skin, where, where, where does that come from? Well, the only garments of skin that I know of come from animals. And in order to get a garment of skin from an animal, what do you have to do to the animal? Kill it. Sacrifice it. Shed its blood. And from the very beginning, by the shedding of blood, sins were covered. And that's what Paul is writing in Galatians. It is not accidental that in chapter 3, in verse 27, Paul says that those of us who have been baptized in Christ, like Landon earlier, are covered. We are clothed with Christ. What does that mean? It means... That all our flaws, all our quirks, all our mistakes, all the errors that we made, all the sin, are, it's gone. Because we are covered in Christ. We have worn him. He is our clothing. And that's what verse 21 is all about. Where Paul brings up this term, righteousness. His assertion 
And he hints at what he's going to say in chapter 3. He says, here's the gospel that Christ shed blood is that covering for us. And that's the only way to get righteousness. That's the only way to be presentable to God. And it's only when we're presentable to God that we can even think about being presentable to other people. The crucial truth of the gospel is not you can be righteous if you work hard enough. The, the truth of the gospel is you are righteous because Christ has clothed you, covered your sin. Only the gospel gives you what you're already searching for, a right standing. Only the gospel gives us possession of the solution that we're after. I have this recurring thing that happens in my home. It is this. I will be heading out to the back, back door, going wherever. And I do this number. You've done it too. And I realize, oh, I don't know where my keys are. Where are my keys? So I go back to the mantle. Nope, not there. I go back to the dresser. Nope, not there. I go back to the desk. Nope, not there. I go back to where the keys should hang in the first place. That's a novel idea. Nope, not there. Anybody with me? I finally realize, wait a minute. Oh, they're in my pocket. They've been here the whole time. And... This is one reason why I have a, such a complaint with winter, because there are just too many pockets. You wear a sweatshirt, you wear jeans, you wear a coat over your sweatshirt, the sweatshirt has pockets, the jeans has pockets, the coat has inside pockets and outside pockets. There are just way too many pockets, uh, and you lose keys really easily. And most of the time when I lose them, I realize they were already with me. That's the same thing that happens to us spiritually. Here's what we do. We look for righteousness in a hundred other places that are infinitely smaller than Christ. We have Christ already. Christ is our righteousness. And if that means anything, it means that I don't have to go looking other places for righteousness because I already have it. And so the problem comes when I listen to the wrong voice. I listen to the voice that says, do this and live. If you'll just work hard, then everything will be all right. If you just gain that person's acceptance and love, then everything will be all right. If you just gather up enough that you're in control of your life financially, then everything will be all right. We look, at, we look for righteousness, a right standing with our world in a hundred different places because we listen to this voice, do this and live. The voice we need to listen to is the voice that points us to the fact that Christ is already here. We've already, we've already got his righteousness. And that voice says this, it is finished. It's what Christ said on the cross when he bought for us a righteousness that we can never earn on our own. We get to stand in front of a holy God completely right because of what Jesus did. Because it is finished. The gospel makes us right with God. And if that's true, then we have no reason to, to continue trying foolish ways 
to cover over our flaws because Christ is our cover. If you listened to the right words this week, what kind of difference would that make? If you listened to it is finished, would that change what you do? Or more importantly, would it change why you do it? I know it would. Absolutely. He is our righteousness. He's the only way that we can be right with God. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the righteousness that Christ gives us. There is a healthy kind of pride to know that that we're bringing delight to the eyes of the only person who counts. There is there's just an awesome factor to to the reality that because we are covered in Christ, because we are we are seen by you as people who are holy and right, even though we still have flaws, but we're seen as holy and right because of what Christ has done. And there's an awesome factor to that. We love that. We thank you for that because that's presentability. That's our real righteousness. We can stand in your eyes and be well-pleasing in your eyes. You're the only person whose eyes count. And we can bring joy and delight and honor to your heart. You're the only heart that counts. And we can be loved with the only love that counts and the only love that will last forever. Father, help us not to look for righteousness in the normal places that we go. Help us to walk the line of the gospel. Help us to be fully aware of where our rightness with the world and with God, with you, comes from. It comes from Jesus and his work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.